Town Bank Mortgage, NMLS number 512138, is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is... Tyler Crawley. Welcome, everyone, to the... Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am the aforementioned host of this podcast, Tyler Crawley. And man, it is a good, good Tuesday. We got some great inflation data to get into. Not only was it as good as expected, it actually was better. It was better than expected, falling a little bit more than what economists were projecting. We also... We're going to talk about uh, rate lock volume, which was good last month, and um, little housing inventory data to get into, uh, as well as kind of preview what's going to be happening the rest of the week as well. It is a busy week, so I hope everyone was prepared for this. So let's start with the big report that we got just, what, 30 minutes ago from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Consumer prices, everyone was hoping for a good number, and... We got it. We got it, <laughs> which is good because uh, the last CPI wasn't bad, but that PCE that we got at the end of last month was was so bad. Uh, it wasn't good. It actually saw an increase in inflation. So it was, it was very good. I was very happy to see this data. So consumer prices year over year for the month of May increased 4%. That was much lower than where they were in April. They were up 4.9% and we're actually now at the lowest level since March 21. So the yes, that is over two years. We have not seen year-over-year inflation this low in over two years. Uh, And this was because, well, there's two reasons why. One was last May, we saw, I think it was a 0.9% increase month over month. So last May was not very good. Big shock to the system. This May was a lot better. Prices were only up, on the whole, 0.1%. And so, you know, you have those two kind of, not only do you have a good monthly number for this month, uh, May, I mean, but you also have a bad number from last May, and so we were always going to see a decline in inflation because of how big that, that number was last month. Uh, but the fact that we had a low number this month, this was the second, or this was tied with the lowest month over month increase that we've seen this year. So I know there's only been, you know, five months, but <laughs> it counts. It counts. So up 0.1% for the month. Uh, I think we also saw that in March, I believe. So price is almost falling. year over year. Um, That's impressive. Very happy about that. Uh, Economists were expecting a bigger monthly increase of 0.2%. And year over year, they were expecting the number to fall to 4.1%. So we beat the street. And I know, right? It's like, it's as the famous words of Dom Toretto from Fast and Furious. It doesn't matter if you win by a mile or an inch. Winning is winning. And that's true when it comes to beating expectations, especially stock prices. But even with economic data, 
if you beat it, you beat it. Doesn't matter if it was a tenth of a percent, uh, less than that, more than that. If you beat what economists were expecting, things are good. And things are very good. We don't have time, or I didn't have time before this show started to break down all of the categories. Uh, but looking at some of the big ones, for example, real quick here, I can at least look at the charts. Uh, food prices continue to just plummet. So remember, food prices hit their peak last June, 9.1% year over year. Since then, they've been falling, uh, and they're now up 4%. Or I'm sorry, sorry. They peaked. I was looking at the all items index. <laughs> this is what happens when you got to go on the fly. Uh, food prices peaked in August at 11.4% last August and have now fallen to just 6.7%. So they're almost down uh, a half, almost there. Uh, and it was a big drop month over month. We saw it go from 7.7% uh, to 6.7%. So we saw a 1% drop in food. Uh, Of course, the other big area that people care about after food uh, is energy, which is just plummeted. So energy peaked in June of last year at 41.6% year over year. Um, It is now down 11.7% year over year. So we're in the negative on energy. I mean, that's a, that's a 50 percentage swing. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big swing there. Uh, so energy prices, I think fell for the month, like almost 4%. So big drops in energy prices, big drop in food prices. That is obviously going to help things. Interestingly enough, core inflation continues to remain higher than the top line number. Why? Because those prices are much stickier than what we're seeing with food and energy. That's where the the big drops are happening. But here's some good news, especially for us in the real estate biz, shelter costs, which are infuriating because they make up one third of the index. So a big percentage of the index. And they've reached all time. And we've never seen numbers this high. Uh, We actually peaked this April. So just two months ago, according to the data, uh, at 8.1%, and, um, or I'm sorry, we, we peaked it in March at 8.2%, fell to 8.1% in April, and have now fallen again to 8% in May. So not big drops, and we knew that was going to happen. That's one of the problems with shelter costs is it takes a while for them to appear, and then once they're there, they're there. Um, they're, they're, there's a lag, they're sticky, I mean, whatever term you want to use, uh, when they show up, they stay. And, but we are seeing positive movements. So for the first time since 2020, we're actually seeing a decline in shelter costs. So all in all, a fabulous report. <laughs> Great report. The best report. The best report we've ever seen. Um, so we got shelter costs continuing to fall, food prices falling, energy prices negative year over year, double digits, uh, we got the top line number falling more than expected. I, I, it doesn't get better than that. I mean, that's exactly what you want to see. And bonds are reacting as you would expect. Uh, people are buying, which is pushing yields down. That's what we like to see in the mortgage business. So right before the report came out, the 10-year yield fell like five basis points. And it's been kind of bouncing around ever since the actual number came out. Uh, anywhere from between five and seven basis points. So the thing is, it's we're still down. Uh, so right now, we're just slightly above 3.7. 
uh, for a while there, we were below 3.7, which was kind of awesome. And hopefully it'll keep moving in that direction. We're supposed to get PPI tomorrow, which is supposed to be, well, we're not supposed to, we are going to get PPI tomorrow. It's supposed to be a good report. So if that's good, we continue to see rates move in the right direction. And then on Wednesday, we got the big, big Fed decision. And it's not so much what they're going to do. They're going to pause unless they shock the world by you know raising or cutting, which doesn't seem likely. Jerome Powell is not known for his surprises. If he was going to raise um, the Fed funds rate by you know 25 bips or whatever, Nick Timoros would already be writing about it. <laughs> <laughs> the Fed whisperer uh, over at the journal. And we haven't heard anything. Uh, he likes to telegraph what he's going to do. He doesn't like to surprise the markets uh, or anyone, really. And he hasn't said anything. So more than likely, we're going to see a pause. So the question is, what do they say about moving forward? That's the big question. What do they say about next month and the month after? Or I should say their next meeting and then the meeting after. So that's what the real question is going to be. And we'll see how bonds react. All right. So that was the big report this morning. That's what's happening this morning. What about what happened yesterday? We did get some minor reports, uh, no market moving type action yesterday, but something I think to take into consideration, especially in the real estate world. We got the originations market monitor report from black Knight that looks at rate lock volume. I like rate lock volume because it really gives you a better idea of what's happening in the mortgage industry with regards to mortgage demand versus, say, the weekly reports that we get from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Love those reports. We'll talk about one tomorrow. But this gives you a little better idea because people are further along in the, you know, getting an application to starting an application, I should say. Uh, a lot of applications start, don't go anywhere. Usually, if you're in the rate lock phase, you're moving forward. So it really gives you a better idea of kind of what's happening in the business. Total market volume increased to an index of 106. That's up 14.1% from the previous month and is actually the second highest level that we've seen so far this year. So sure, things are shaky in the mortgage world, but that's some positive news. Total volume though is still down 42% when compared to the same time last year. But remember last year, things were still very hot. Uh, rates were moving up, that is true, but um, it still really hadn't hit people yet. We hadn't hit that seven number, that seven handle that freaked everyone out. But it should be noted, and this is important, I appreciate Black Knight uh, making this note, that the rate lock volume increase did have a lot to do with the favorable calendar comparison there being more days in May than April. Um, so daily production, though, was still up 4%. So any way you look at it, it was a positive month. And that, of course, is because of purchases. Purchases continue to dominate as elevated rates pretty much make refinancing nonsensical for a lot of people. Unless you're having a life-changing event, most people aren't refining. You know, either they need the money or there's another reason why they got to refi. Uh, they're not doing it. So purchases make up a really um, disproportionate <laughs> amount of mortgage activity right now, at least from a historical perspective. The purchase index rose to 93. And remember, they're all added up. So they're 93 out of 106, just to give you an idea of how much purchases are. Uh, that is a 14.8% increase from April but it's still down about 38% from last year. Rate term refis jumped almost 13% from April. 
they're still down about 39% year over year. Cash outs saw the smallest gain up 7.2% month over month. And with the index still down 67.4%. But here's the good news. I highlight this in every single report. This is the good news. A lot of people were worried that when volume fell and reached very low lows, that it was going to cause a change in the industry where out of panic, all of a sudden mortgage companies were going to start doing loans to bad borrowers. Yeah. Like we saw, which is weird because in 2007, 2006, it wasn't volume that collapsed and they went to bad borrowers. They just were using bad borrowers to keep the volume (laughs) at kind of record highs. But some people were worried that we may see bad borrowers, um, which would be a risk a systematic risk to the system. You start adding all these bad borrowers as we saw in 2007, 2008, and that is not what is happening. In fact, in a lot of cases, uh, the regulations, um, the requirements, uh, Fannie and Freddie's requirements have actually gotten stricter since things changed in the business, I guess, in preparation or concern that that could possibly happen. But we are actually seeing credit scores rise, not fall when it comes to the average borrower. Ray term refinances saw the average credit score jump eight points in April, or excuse me, in May, to 723 for the month. Purchase credit scores are still at the top position uh, with the average credit score at 734 after a one-point increase. And cash-out refis were flat for the month, but they're still at 691. So we're not seeing any kind of drop in standards with regards to borrowers. In fact, we're actually seeing an increase. Now, year over year, you are seeing a dip. However, that is mostly in the rate term refis and cash outs. And the cash outs actually make a lot of sense if you think about it. Like if someone finds themselves in financial trouble and they're like, ooh, I have all this equity in the home, they're going to run that run and get the money out of their house. And maybe that will raise their credit score. I'd love to see the number after they do the the cash outs, (laughs) if they see a bump in their credit score. Uh, And because we know that despite the lack of volume, there's also a incredible lack of inventory. And some even speculating that one of the reasons why volume is down is not so much there isn't demand out there, but there aren't houses out there. Prices continue to rise, which are putting upward pressure on loans sizes. The average loan size rose to 360,000 in May. That is up 1% from April and is now up 7% for the year. So, you know, it's so funny, all these people who are predicting the home prices were going to crash. <laughs> Where'd they go? <laughs> Where did they all go? Andy Walden, vice president of enterprise research and strategy at Black Knight notes that the headline number is maybe not as positive, it seems. Come on, Andy, what are you doing to buzzkill for us? He says, while May was an improvement over April, mortgage lending remains constrained, to say the least. Indeed, while rate locks on purchase loans rose from April, they also dipped to their lowest level yet relative to 2018-2019 averages as rates rose late in the month. And there's no doubt that this mortgage market is so rate-sensitive. I mean, when you see rates start flirting with 7% again, it does turn buyers off. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And so that's why this 
positive rate movement this morning and getting us further away from 7%, uh, that's good news. That's good news for everyone in the real estate industry. And then let's end with some also good news in the real estate biz. Altos Research, their weekly inventory report showed that inventory levels rose for the eighth straight month. I kind of wasn't really paying attention, even though we talk about it every week. I didn't realize it was up for eight straight weeks, but it is. I, I, I double-checked eight straight weeks. There are now 443,000 single-family homes, which is still pretty bad. Um, we should be well above that. Uh, that's up 1.5% from last week, but it's still down 10% from the start of the year, which is crazy because remember, we talked about this. The last Altos report pointed out that usually from year from the beginning of the year, January until March, or probably, no, probably May, you should see about a 13% increase, 14%. Because, you know, there's not a lot of activity in January, spring buying season, people list their homes. That's how it works. We're down 10%. So if you take the fact that we're down 10% from the start of the year versus a normal year where you should be up 13%, that's how bad things are. Uh, Inventory levels are still down 11.7% from the same time last year. And remember, last year was bad. I mean, that's why it's funny when people go, oh, well, the year-over-year number is not so bad. Guys, it was bad last year. (laughs) It's like... It's not a good number to compare it to. You got to compare it to a normal housing market, which we are severely, severely um, lacking inventory. Uh, and because of this, the median price of a single family home ticked up. Even though we are seeing more homes listed, we're still seeing prices rise to $454,900. That is up 1% from last week and up 12% from the start of the year. Uh, just 30.7% of homes on market have taken a price cut, which is a 40 basis point jump from last week. But Mike Simonson notes, the CEO of Altos, that's what you'd expect in June. And in fact, we are down from the 38% where we started the year, which I think is down from the peak that we hit maybe last year, um, towards the end of last year. I think we were in the 40s. Uh, So speaking of Mike Simonson, CEO of Altos, he says that it's all about the slowdown because we the spring buying season is over. So we are seeing kind of a slowdown. This is what a seasonal housing market looks like, kind of a normal housing market, not just crazy hot or crazy cold, but a, a slowdown. He says, quote, what'll be interesting to watch is how this slowdown compares with last year's. In July last year, the housing market really hit the brakes with home sale volume and prices moving lower. So even as this market slows, with persistently high mortgage rates, the year-over-year comparison gets easier. So it will be interesting to see how much of a slowdown there is. Because, I mean, right now we're seeing a couple more houses, but nothing crazy. We're still not back to where we were in January. Home prices are still rising. So it's not a slowdown by last year's standards in any sense of the word, but what will the slowdown look like when we kind of bottom in this slowdown? Interesting to watch. All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy your Tuesday. I'm going to break down these CPI numbers. We'll talk about them in more detail on tomorrow's show and get ready. Wednesday is going to be crazy because what do we got? Hold on. I got to look this up real quick here because it's not, we got the Fed decision. I know that, but 
We also have, let's see tomorrow. Okay, we got GDP from the UK. That's fine. We'll talk about that. Mortgage demand. We talked about that. Mortgage Bankers Association. Oh, that's right. PPI is expected to slow to 1.5%, which is below the Fed's target rate. Interesting. Lowest level since December 2020. That's crazy. We got a stat we can compare to 20. We got inflation data that we can compare to a 2020 number. Uh, then we get the Fed decision. And then unemployment data from China. China. Always important to see what's happening globally. Keep an eye on that. And then Thursday morning, we got the ECB making their rate decision. So buckle in. Is it buckle in? No, buckle up. Strap in. That's what I was looking for because uh, this is far from over. But I'm going to break these numbers down. We'll talk about them tomorrow. Of course, you can get all of this data that we're talking about here at the website. That's Tyler Crawley dot substack.com and that's c-r-a-l-l-e and now you can spell it and pronounce it a very elite club i think i'm going to change that to marketsandmortgages.com i'm thinking about it because that used to be the website but then i went over to substack and i i I haven't paired over the domain name so we'll see what happens all right you guys enjoy your tuesday we'll see you back here wednesday morning for another edition of markets and mortgages and remember as always Do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.